Sundays. Here's where, where the story, story ends. It's just a little cigarette Souvenir. burning on your breast. <laughs> it makes you scream and shout. Because I never knew the words when it came to that part. I just hum, 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 hum. She says it's that little. <laughs> People, I go, I'm on the outside. She says it's that Here's little souvenir of a terrible year. Where the story <laughs> Oh, here's where the story ends. It's just that little souvenir. I'm on the outside. The um that song. He wants to get high, so high, so high. <laughs> That's what you were doing when that song came out, huh? Or were you out of rehab then? Oh man, nineteen. I don't know when that song came out, but ninety-one. I'm gonna say. Let me see, because I remember I was listening to it in ninety-one, nineteen ninety. So I think I was listening to it in ninety-one, the summer, spring, and summer of ninety-one, because I was just starting college. I was ending my first year in college, and it was uh, that was on repeat all the time. That whole album. The Sundays. I had just bought a uh, Ford Granada for $175. Wow. Was it in good shape? Yeah. My baby mama used to work at Ford. And a used old man came in to buy a new car. And he had that old Ford Granada. And they were going to just junk it. So I ended up getting it for 175 They detailed it. And they put a... And they put a... um, <laughs> Yeah. And they put a... um. No, they put everything. They fixed it. They painted it too. And they painted it, and they put a top—not the top, but it was nice. It looked like if, like if I was a cop in 1972. It was a Ford Granada. Two, I think it was two door or one door, and they played cassettes. One door. It was one door. <laughs> I ended up later on selling it for 150 to Hung. Wow! My, so you um, only lost Melanie, twenty bucks. Melanie found her little brother Hung. Hmm. Then him, he ended up getting um, told he didn't change the name. I went to go back to the place <laughs> But my dad said, why'd you sell it? I didn't want it. But I was like fresh out of rehab. And I had no car. And I had a license. I know I had a driver's license then. I know I, I must have had a driver's license. Then. Were you still together with their mom? No. 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 But you got the deal still? 
No, I was because with the deal her. before. Oh, you were with Philip's mom. Yeah, yeah before Philip was born and all that. Oh, you were with her for a long time before you had a baby, huh? Three, Not that long. Years? Maybe. Um, that was 90. I don't know what year it was. He I was, was on a rehab. In, I came out of rehab. He was born in 93. Maybe you were with her a couple of years before? It was 92 then. Hmm. Oh, that's right, though, because you said you started late. Yeah. You started. You you missed out on a lot of music and movies and shows that came out during that year that you were in rehab, right? Yes. And so when you came out, you were kind of like one year behind in music tastes or two years behind. Yeah, you so were rocking that Nirvana and stuff like that. Nirvana. Yeah. Pearl Jam. The first thing I, I, I listened to or watched when I came out of rehab was Home Alone. And I love that movie. I saw that movie. Was it Thanksgiving when you came out of rehab? Or did you watch it in the theater? Or you like rented it? Rented it. it. Okay. It was playing on, on radio and I saw it back to back. I never seen that. Then I saw, um, we were at my cousin's house and they were playing Nirvana. Nirvana came on. I never heard of Nirvana. And I said, damn, who are these fools? These cool clothes. When I saw them with those clothes, I felt like Benny from um, City of God. Have you ever seen that movie, City of God? Benny was the coolest thug in City of God. The fa- like favela. He had like curly-ass hair. He dyed it. But um, if you guys don't know who Benny is, it was Benny and Rocket and Little Z who became Little C. He used to be Little C and then became Little Z. Became the nun. Who is the the guy who stayed away from Rocket? Rocket. Okay, so Rocket's the one that reminded the me photographer. of Barack Obama. Yeah, he was he was like a photo. Yeah, Benny was the was the one that got killed by um by Sammy. I yeah. Think. Well, anyways, he was the flashy, fast moving one, like the the leader of the yeah. Group, pretty much. So when uh, Benny, he's like a drug dealer in the city of God, the one of the favelas in Brazil, Rio, and. Uh, he sees this, which I would say like a yuppie kid who comes by cocaine from him and he has a 10 speed and he has like clothes that nobody in that neighborhood is wearing. Like he's wearing a hang 10 striped t-shirt and that kid is wearing OP shorts. OP, yeah, they were wearing OP, OP man. shorts. And um, he was wearing some cool tennis shoes and a cool bike and he came in there to buy cocaine and then Benny told him, hey, you want to race? So of course they started racing with 10 speeds and then um, that kid let him beat him. Then he said, man, where you get those clothes at? <clears throat> and he said, oh, I bought them downtown. He goes, can you get me some? And he gives him a lot of money. He goes, what size you are? I don't know. I don't have a measuring tape. Just guess. So they start measuring each other, man. Like they're measuring each other in the middle of the street. He's measuring his legs, his um, waist. And then he comes back with all them cool clothes, man. Like a lot of hang tan T-shirts, OP shorts, uh, cool bell bottoms. Fresh shit, man. That he couldn't buy in this neighborhood. So that's how I felt when I saw Nirvana. When I saw Nirvana, man, I was still wearing khakis, white t-shirt, Pendleton, you know. And then I saw Nirvana and I said, man, that's the way I wanted to dress when I was a kid. and couldn't afford those clothes. And he was wearing that sweater and those beige khakis and those converse. And I said, yeah, man, that's the way I wanted to dress. See, that's the way I did dress before Nirvana came out because I shopped at thrift stores and stuff like that. But I tried to make them look cool. You know, I tried to hide the fact that I shopped at thrift stores because people didn't do that back then. It wasn't cool. We did. <clears throat> we didn't. So, well, the people in my neighborhood didn't, or at least they fooled me too. But I was, my whole game was to look like I wasn't poor. So I had to go because that was another thing. My mother used to always 
criticize. <clears throat> it was one of her favorite things to say to me. And still is probably. She the last time she said it I was I think I was about thirty at thirty one. Um but she would she would look at me and critique my look, my clothes, my hair, and uh it was always like that makes you look poor. That hairstyle makes you look poor. That outfit makes you look poor. That we, was her, we are poor, motherfucker. My mom too, man, like but, she would hide the fact that we were Native American. Like I'm I'm thirty nine percent Native American. And then <laughs> She will come home and the house is dirty. She'll say, but it's a casa de pinche indios. And I'm like, fuck. That's like she's basically saying, this house looks like, like fucking dirty Native Americans live here. Her parents, her your, her dad was Native American. He right? speaks and, it. And he danced. He, he did the danced, tribal dances and stuff. He used to put on beads, mm-hmm. beads on his legs, beads on his on his but, um on his wrist. And then, like, just dance and put his pants up. But he never really... He, he, was he wasn't even them. part of, like, a whole dance group. He just did he it by himself them. outside. He joined those guys. <laughs> oh, okay. And then he had the yeah. beads, and they were his friends. So what about your mom's mom? Was she Indian at all or Native that she knew about? I don't know, ma'am. I, I saw you by When I see my grandma all the time, she looked like a redneck woman. See, because I feel like maybe your mom heard that from your mom, talk, from her mom talking shit about like his side of the family or something like that. You know, like kind of putting him down in front of her daughter, but not in front of him, you know? Like while he's gone, she's cleaning the house or she's complaining about the dirty house. And, you know, maybe she thinks that yeah, because, of his side of the family or maybe something. Maybe because... Um, and then your mom picked up on that, forgetting that. My grandfather, I guess he was too old to work, but that boy had big ass hand, man. He'll knock a motherfucker out. <laughs> His fucking hand looked like um, catcher's mitts. <clears throat> he used to sell cheese every day. Yeah. Go around selling cheese, and then my, 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 I guess my grandma would bag on him. But he's one of the old school fools that every morning he has to get up at five just to make sure he's alive and do like all the chores by before nine. Then go pick up that cheese, and on the way home, salads on the way home. Was that his job, or that was like a side thing he did? Side thing. He had a bunch of side things. Motherfucker did caricatures for people. Wow, he could draw? Yeah. Really? Is that where you get the artistic side of your family? Like, I don't know, man. I just drew side faces. Because even you can draw pretty well or paint, if you I know? I man. I saw the back of your refrigerator <laughs> at that one house. Did we talk about that yet? I don't know. About the that Boylston house, and that apartment? The back of your refrigerator, I noticed one day, first of all, he had no shame in nude women photos on his refrigerator. No shame. Those are my hotties. <laughs> Who were those women? Those, huh? Were they real women that you took pictures of? Strippers? Was, was I with them? No. No. Those photos. The, they came from Yoshi? I still know what. Yeah, Yoshi. Yoshi. Oh, okay. Yoshi. We should have Yoshi on the What's Up Full podcast. He's uh, got his own podcast that does pretty well. Yoshi didn't. Um, Yoshi, um, he he worked at he took the way Yoshi used to get spots is by giving people free porn. Because so, he worked for a porn company, he was like yeah. an editor or something. Yeah, he worked right? for John John Stalemano or John Stali- John Staliano. If you guys don't know John Staliano, he did a lot of porn for Vivid in the nineties and um, early two thousands. I know because you know that fact way too to, quickly. I used to watch that shit to the end. And his offices are right. <laughs> watch the credits. His offices are by the Universal City Walk, just across the street over the freeway. Oh, that there's that a sign bar. called Vivid. Yeah, yeah, and under that, in that building, there's this <laughs> bar, this bar where I tried to get a job. The casting couch bar. You cannot get a job <laughs> there because everybody makes so much money there. But it's hot women who work there, you know. And you, it, there's like a waiting list for jobs. Nobody leaves. It's funny how you make a lot of money from all like uh, there's certain areas in um, 
<clears throat> here in Los Angeles or Hollywood, basically Hollywood or Beverly Hills, where you could just get a waitress job if you're really, really, really pretty and you're trying to be an actress and you will get picked up out of these restaurants. Mm-hmm. Well, actress is used loosely. Yes. <laughs> and she is used loosely. <laughs> she is loose now. <laughs> I think that was an old rumor because, like, um, Marilyn Monroe, she was discovered at the Brown Derby. Yeah, or, or Soda Fountain. Like, some soda people fountain, were discovered yes. at a drugstore Soda Fountain. That's a common one. Now, nowadays, like man, Mary you, Pickford or something. You get like discovered that. at the Greyhound station. <laughs> No, that was like the 70s, 60s, the 70s. 70s Pimps used to be waiting there, right? Yeah, like people would be waiting to take advantage of you. But um, There was a, play, a movie where they showed a, a guy in his 20s, 25 years old, who was a pimp. And he would wait for girls right there at the um, at the Greyhound station. It's a good movie. I don't know if you saw it. It's called Where the Day Takes You. Mm-hmm. Will Smith is in it. No, I did not watch that. You gotta watch I try to him, avoid man. most Will Smith movies. No, he, he, he has a small part. He got, he got this part, small part. He plays a homeless, dirty-ass black fool in a wheelchair. He's good, though. <laughs> Believe it or not, he's actually good. He was horrible in that well. six degrees of separation. It's all I can see. And then he would just... He's okay when he's... Or he plays that guy in a wheelchair. In Men in Black. But he plays that guy in the wheelchair. Yeah, I won't It's a good it. movie, man, because... It's good movie because um, that guy from the guy from Twin Peaks is in it. Kyle McLaughlin. Oh, he's a he's a he's a drug dealer and a dirty pimp, mm-hmm. and he gets that guy from Lord of the Rings. The I mean, no, not Lord of the Rings. Um, you mean Martin Freeman? The other one, Heather Eli, Elijah was oh, partner. Uh, Sean Astin. Sean Astin. Mm-hmm. He's like a drug. De- he's like a, a heroin addict and a a bad motherfucker. Why did and he goes to his house and steals money from his mom. And you're right about uh, what you told me a long time ago about a lot of these homeless people actually have parents, but they want to be drug addicts in Hollywood. There are some people who do that, yeah. And um, that guy, um, he makes um, Sean Astin become a little gape hooker at the end of the movie. It's tight. Hmm, interesting. There's a really good movie that's kind of like Flynn that. Laura in it. There's a really good movie that's kind of like that. It's um, It's called... It's called LIE, Long Island Expressway. It stands for Long Island Expressway because that's where it <laughs> happens. It has that bully from Welcome to the Dollhouse, which fucking bully face. He has a bully face. He was also a bully in Boys Don't Cry. He's one of the guys who beats the shit out of her and kills her. But that guy is in it, and so is Brian Cox, that old Irish man with the white hair. And yeah. uh, he plays like a pimp and a pedophile. And he pimps out teen, teens on the Long Island Expressway. Teen That's boys. not my private Idaho? No. It's not no. the same guy. Different. That's set in Oregon. And, but there's um, a pimp guy too in that movie. There, yeah, I know. With a top hat. I know, yeah. It's, it's different. But there's Brian, a pimp no, like that everywhere L-I-E. from Runaways. In Hollywood, there used to be a guy called Papa Smurf. Yeah. And he just takes care of you. Did he look like Papa Smurf? Yeah. Look at the white hair. He just feeds. You know, one of those guys that come from, yeah, I'll take care of you, man. You want to eat? You want to do this? Um, yeah, man. Um, you want to use the phone? You want to call your parents? You can use my phone. Of course, they don't want to. You want to eat? You want to do some drugs? Hey, man, can you do me a favor? There's this guy over there in his room. You know, can you just, you know, um, take care of him? You know, kind of the way I took care of you. You know, just um, hold him. You know, give him a little hug. I appreciate it. You know, we'll go to, we'll go to Disneyland tomorrow. Have fun. And she does it. It's paid. Doesn't get no money. And then he goes over there, have a good time. 
and it takes her again and again. Then one day she don't want to stop. That's when they get a slap a bitch. <laughs> yeah, man. I saw the movie. I read the book. Which one? Um, Iceberg Slim. Oh, Iceberg Slim, yeah. Brother Woods gave me that book. It's a good book. Iceberg Slim, if you guys are listening, man. It's a good book. It's an easy read, by the way. It's about a pimp in the 1930s. Awesome book. Yeah, it's it's kind of one of those life changing. It changes your perspective on a lot of things for the rest of your life. You know, you just don't look at certain things the same anymore. You're either gonna come out a good man or a pimp out of the, reading that book. <laughs> I came out both. <laughs> Stupid. So, so get anyway, it, uh, get it back to the Sundays. Yeah. Well, we were talking about um, when I heard the song. Yeah. That's when I came out of rehab, and um, I was jamming that song on my four Granada. I forgot. That I had a Ford Granada. I must have had that car for two years. I didn't crash it. But when I sold it, I, I didn't have another car. Did I have another car? No, I didn't have another car. My next car after that was a Volvo. And I was, um, because the 90s were for me, I spent most of the 90s in, on drugs and in rehab. And I was trying to find myself, see what I was going to do, what am I going to do with my life. But I had no idea what i was going to do with my life but writing making that list helped me you know the list you talked about yeah when i was in rehab and i got to write down five things that i want to accomplish in my life and then one of them was to um, to be clean and sober second was to be a comedian third was to just be happy fourth to uh, always want to go to italy so and then fifth I forgot what fifth was four. Ah, one, 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 one to stay sober, and two, two, two to be a comedian, and three, three, three to go to Italy, and four, four, four for my lover, and five, five. I forget, forgot five was four, eight, eight. Everything, 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 everything. You could know, man, that song too, man, is a life, changes my life, changed my life too. Yeah, that's good. Violent films. Changed my life. So that first time I heard that song, because my brother Angel, he joined the Columbia Music Club. <laughs> and he got like 10 cassettes yeah. and then three more. And he was, and they, he promised to buy two more in the next three years, and he didn't buy shit. <laughs> but we had them all, man. ACDC, Back in Black, U2, all the good shit, man. I never thought about that, but my brother Angel, man, if it wasn't for those cassettes that he bought and never paid for, <laughs> I wouldn't have never had those cassettes. But we had Ozzy, the Blizzard of Oz. We had ACDC, Back in Black, Dirty Deeds, Dirt, Dirt Cheap. You know that album? Yeah. And some, and we had U2, the one with a little boy in the front, War. And we had um, Violent Femmes, the whole album. Good time. I don't think ACDC back in black was Bon Bon Scott, was it? I think that was Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson? No, that's not. That doesn't have. Um, you might be thinking a Highway to Hell, that album. Oh yeah, Dirty Deeds is a Highway to Hell album. No, Night Prowl. That's Bon Scott, but no Dirty Deeds. Uh, oh, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap is that album. Yeah, that's the album. What songs are on there? Dirty Deeds, Dunder Cheap, Ain't No Fun. There's going to be some rock and Problem Child, which is a good one. Yeah, Problem Child. Squealer, Big Balls. That's a weird one. Yeah. I've got, got big balls. You've got, got big balls. balls. Jeez, Scott, <laughs> the biggest <laughs> balls. Jailbreak. 
Um, rock in peace, R.I.P. Right on. So uh, that's what you were doing in the 90s then when that song came out. Yes, I also was going to a lot of meetings, Narcotics Anonymous. Every Friday I was at Narcotics Anonymous meeting at White Memorial Hospital. And Wednesday I was at a meeting at Praise Chapel Church. And Tuesday I was picking up Chase at Caddy's Club. In, <laughs> no, Quiet Cannon, two for Tuesdays. And Monday, Bible study at this lady's house. Yeah. Bible study. I know, man. I don't know what the hell I was doing in there, man. Picking <laughs> up titties the whole time I was in there. <laughs> but it was a good place to be there because there was nobody in there that I wanted to see their titties. Even when they hugged me. Were you, were you not supposed to have titties at the time or what? Were you depriving yourself? No. When I came out of rehab, I was just clean. Uh-huh. Clean, man. Even chick girls out, they passed by. I was institutionalized again. I don't know. I was in there for a long time. Hmm. I didn't even jerk off. I had wet dreams. Wow. Yeah, when a girl passed by, I didn't even look at her. Huh. Which is why I hooked up with the mom. Okay. Oh. Hey, now, watch out I'm now. cutting that out. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. No, but I was really like, um, I was um, I was walking uh, forward. And I remember I saw this kid. I never liked him. And he had a bad religion shirt on. And I never heard of bad religion but at that time. I was just out of rehab. And he had a, a cross was upside down. And I took offense to it. <laughs> and I said, um, how come you know, the cross is upside down? He goes, oh, is this band? Oh, is that what you believe in, though? You don't believe in God? And then he goes, nah, man, the, this guy, he goes, the guy's a philosopher. He has a degree of philosophy. And he said, oh, shit, he does? So then I, right, as soon as he said that, I said, okay, man, you can go now. And then I started trying to get to know this philosophy shit. But this kid was, um, oh, anyway, this kid, I don't know what he's doing now, but yeah. I, was a, I took offense to it because the cross was upside down. And I would take offense to a lot of stuff, but I never show it. Like when Phil Hartman would come out as Jesus the first time, I thought, what the fuck? How come they're making fun of Jesus Christ? Are you fucking serious? In my head, all these things, you know? Because I was just in rehab for that long. And we would go to church, you know? So I was a baliba. When that guy told me that, I was confused now, you know? He was just a young kid, but I was still. He got me confused, and he got me thinking differently. And as soon as he walked away, man, a fucking shootout broke out. <laughs> oh man, it was crazy. It was where I was standing at. These dudes that I grew up with, they were walking by, and all of a sudden, there was bullets. And not even far away, man, there were these two guys on top of roofs sniping them. What? Like. So it's like a gang shootout. A gang shootout, man. And I was like, what the fuck? So I grabbed these two little, um, my friends, nieces, and then we brought them in the house. And my friends brought me in the house. And then that dude, he ran. And I and I should have yelled at him, you believe in God now? <laughs> you believe in Jesus, motherfucker? You see that? He just saved your ass. This conversation right here with me saved them. Because I stopped him. He would have, if he would have not, if I were not, I just thought about that one. If I were not stopped that guy to ask him about the, the cross being upside down, he would have ended up walking forward, continue to walk forward, 
And at that, that time of him walking forward, those bullets would have been landing all on his head. Wow! <laughs> I saved that motherfucker's life without even knowing it. Wow, you're a hero. Because he would have been halfway there. Those guys that were that did the shooting, they they started walking as soon as that guy st- started talking to me. Wow. So yeah, that's what I was going through in straight. We're going at a job, and I don't know when it hit me to be a comedian during those times, but I know I wanted to be a comedian. That's good. Well, you just kept remembering that goal, and then you saw Damon Wayans, right? Yeah, I saw Damon Wayans perform. He was bombing. <laughs> see, I, I'm glad I saw him struggling on stage because that made, it, that made me think that, okay, they could have a, when you're a comedian, you can have an off night, I guess. Yeah. And so and only this many people see only saw mess eight, up, you know. Sixty eight people in that fact yeah. that's empty. Yeah. And he was just talking to the audience, I think he was venting something that happened to him during the day and every once in a while the last part of the, the what he was talking about was funny and the next day I said, Man, I'm gonna be a comedian. That's good. That's cool. I was uh let's see, I graduated high school in nineteen ninety. Damn, how old are you? (laughs) 44. Uh, And then, so I was starting college, but when that song came out, I think it was 91. Love that song. I was um, ending my college, my first year in college. And so I was trying to find myself too. I was in a new school in the suburbs. This was, it was a weird year for me because it's kind of like I noticed that I was white. Not like I didn't know I wasn't white. I was white, but having gone see all my life, I've been around other non-white people. Mostly, I've lived around non-white people. So in Colorado, I lived around Native Americans and um, Latinos, mostly Central Americans. And there were a few Hondurans and then Mexicans, and na- a lot of natives. There were probably five Native families in my building. I told, did I tell the Barbara yeah, the Indian? One. I did in the first episode where I wrote Barbara the Indian lives here on my neck, on my neighbor's <laughs> bathroom window. Me too, man. I, when I was a kid, there was this kid named Steven. He was kind of slow. Like, instead of 18th Street, he'll say 18th Street. I will call that for 18th Street. <laughs> that was my nickname for him. And, and Barbara the Indian wasn't my nickname for her, that was her nickname in the the building we lived in. Everybody just knew her as Barbara the Indian. She knew she was Barbara the Indian. That wasn't like a thing people said behind her back. And that's what, because there were two Barbaras. There was another Barbara, I think. But she's Barbara the Indian. And that's what people called her. This was the 70s, late 70s. So there were two Barbaras? Yeah, there were two Barbaras. It was a big, it was like three buildings in the Section 8 community. It was all Section 8, like, it's funny, only in the hood, like, there's so many Rays, there's so many Miguel's or Mike's. You got to yeah. say, which Mike? Black yeah. Mike yeah. or you brown gotta, Mike? You got a name for Nah, it. man, it was retarded Mike. <laughs> but yeah, Barbara the Indian, I wrote it on her thing. And it was like, okay, I know I'm Barbara the Indian. We don't have to write that on my window, you know? And Yeah, man, you don't see the teepee? I'm an idiot. I was, I was an idiot. She but I was teepee. like seven. Teepee. She wasn't even the one that made me fry bread. That was my my friend Lisa's mom. She, they were Sioux Indian. Um, I had fry bread for the first time. Oh, I love fry bread so much. I crave it sometimes. It was so good. I made it one time. 
kind of successfully. It was a little, the texture wasn't as fluffy. But anyway, so I've always grown up near non-white people. And in Ohio, of course, I went to all black schools from sixth grade until I graduated. And then um, when I got to, and I always, I guess I always kind of wanted, I think when you are the minority in a group of somebody else or, or of you know, some majority that looks different from you, you kind of want to be more like them. You want to be part of that. You want to kind of assimilate, you know, in a way. So, you know, you listen to a lot of the same music, you dress the same and stuff. There were a lot of white girls in my school who had black hairstyles, you know, like the stack, um, the asymmetrical stack with the little curls, uh, the rows of curls that went up the side. I always wanted that, but I was, I can't go that. My hair is so weak and flat that it doesn't do much. So anyway, so I always felt like that, um, like I was a little bit different as a white person, you know, like I was, I understood, you know, other types of people. So I looked, I looked down on these suburban people that I worked with at the mall, which was the ride on the dividing line of the suburbs and the inner city. And they worked there, and I, I thought they were all rich. They weren't all rich, but I thought they were all rich. And they had cars, and I'm taking the bus or having my mom drop me off. You know, they had cars. Uh, so I just kind of looked at them differently than I was. But then when I got to college, it was all white people. Like, I had classes where they were all white people in the room. And, it, and I noticed it. But I don't think anybody Who else... Who taught these classes? Donald Trump? <laughs> no, it just was... This was... The thing was, I, I was expecting to see some of my friends in college, and they weren't there. They had gone on... I think I mentioned this in another episode, too. They had gone on to black universities. Brown. And, no, there was um, Wilberforce, um, Central State. Those were... Um, I think Central State's a historically black university. But... Those were the two colleges that most of my black friends went to. You don't have to be black to go there, right? No. It's just that they're historically black. Yeah. They were created at a time when black people couldn't go to college. Um, well, white colleges, colleges that had existed already. Um, they weren't letting black students in, so they created their own thing. And then people hate on black colleges for existing. Oh, why do you have to have a separate college? Well, <laughs> it, started, it started out of necessity. And that's how about Clemson? No, Clemson is a is a, not a not a black school. Auburn. No, uh, Morehouse. Black is black. Uh, Spelman, uh, Tuskegee. There's a lot of them. Howard. Oh, Spike Lee went there. Uh, Spike Lee might have gone to Howard. I can't remember. Here in LA, um, black schools were like Pasadena High School. Yeah. Crenshaw High. Pasadena High School was black. Hell yeah, man! Oh. They, they had a. I remember we played a baseball against a, 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 a baseball team in Pasadena, and they, they were called the St. Louis Cardinals, and they were all black. And then my friend and I we used to call, who, who are we gonna pitch tonight? We're gonna play the Bob Gibsons, bro. Who's Bob Gibson? Bob, Bob Gibson, Gibson was a badass, badass, one of the best um, pitchers for the Cardinals ever. He's in the Hall of Fame. He stopped playing baseball in 1986. He played in the 70s to the 80s. He's a black guy? Yeah, he's a black guy. He threw real fast. And um, he was awesome. Because I've never seen a black pitcher. Because all, all the pitchers in my neighborhood were Mexican. Mm-hmm. But the same thing you had when we go play that team, yeah. I thought it was odd that they were all black. Because there was, hadn't been 
a black. I never seen an all black baseball it team is in kinda, my neighborhood. It is kind of odd though. We were all Mexican, and we had blacks in our team. It was a mixture yeah. of Mexican and black, but the majority was all Mexican, and the coaches were all Mexican. I can't think of a black coach right now, but he's one black coach, Kenny Earls, and this other guy who was Puerto Rican though. But when we got over there, and they were all black. We were like, oh, man. We're thinking, man, we're going we're gonna to kill us. But now, man, we ended up killing them. <laughs> the picture ended up striking out all of us. That's what we covered in Carlin. We're going to play the Bob Gibson. <laughs> it was funny when one of the kids from their team, he hit the ball far. We thought that, I thought that he was not going to hit it far. And I remember chasing after the ball. And me and my friend at right field, we met together. <laughs> You know, because the ball was so far. You crashed into we, each other. We met to each other halfway. We just started laughing, and the ball kept going. <laughs> we lost a lot. Wow. Yeah, so um, so I got to college and realized that. We love trading candy of- with them, by the way. <laughs> Why? So we had our candy, and then we always trade candy with other teams. Like, did you have Mexican guess. candy? Yes. Yeah? Did they like your Mexican candy? Some of them did. But they had the good candy, like the dip. Oh, yeah. Not the. Tamarindo things. No, they didn't have. They just are. They like our pumpkin seeds. We have a lot of problems with sunflower seeds. I can't get behind a lot of that Mexican candy. It's not for me. A lot of a lot of, the, a lot of cumin. <laughs> not cumin, but the tam, the tamarind. <laughs> that's weird. It's just I've always thought that was so weird. And then the salty plums. That's so strange. So how, what was that like, though, man? You're in college. It's just weird. Like um, you feel broke too. I felt broke. I felt poorer. And so, and that's when grunge was coming up, and I was wearing the same stuff anyway. I was already wearing like torn. Jeans and leg and uh, long johns underneath, you know. So you and put like, a Pearl Jam t-shirt. It I was never on. was into Pearl Jam, never, never. I liked Nirvana. I never was into Pearl Jam, but um, but I liked Smashing Pumpkins a lot better than all those than both of those people. Today is the greatest. Smashing Pumpkins was my band in addition Best to Beastie night. Boys. The Beastie Boys and Smashing Pumpkins, De La Soul. That's what I listened to at that time. But I uh, never got into De La Soul. I like De La Soul. I like, I like Tribe Called Quest too, but I like De La Soul better. Yeah, anyway. And Warren G. <laughs> I listened to Warren G. in uh, 93. That was 92, 93. I had my little truck. Um, anyway, so, yeah, it felt strange. And it felt like uh, it, that's when I first saw that guy. I saw that guy um, who had dip in his mouth in my class. And he was spitting. Yeah, and he was, he was spitting into a cup. How are you doing, girl? It, it was strange being in that white culture. It was weird. And, and not white culture. It was white. It, it just felt like everybody had problems that weren't problems. That was one thing that I noticed. Everybody had problems that were what we call third world, you know, first world problems yeah. these days, you know, when we hashtag. Yeah, they complained about little things that weren't problems. And here I was trying to work three jobs, you know, and go to school. Falling asleep on the freeway, driving to school in the morning. But um, my mom dated this guy. She had two boyfriends who were Latino. Well, I guess, I don't know if they were boyfriends or just dates. that People she had several dates with. The first guy was this guy that worked with my mom, my, my dad on the construction site. Uh, construction site. His name was Lee. Lee Vigil. Lee Redcorn. <laughs> Lee Vigil. And he... He came swooping in. Swoop. Once my dad left. And he goes, uh, 
You're probably telling, telling your dad, dad he was going to leave. You mean to tell him to leave? No, no your dad right, was probably t- telling him. Yeah, like Maybe. you're just talking. You probably has someone to talk to, and he don't know that much English. And bam. No, he knew English. He was Chicano. He was. He wasn't um, from Mexico. Um, his family had been in Colorado for a while, I think. But no, he was total Chicano, and he was. He showed up. I swear, it was like less than a month after my dad left. He came over to check on the family, how we're doing and all this stuff. And then he eventually started taking my mom out. And um, he was a weird guy. He had hair like Wolfman Jack, like it was slicked back and puffy on the top, you know, and a little bit of streaks of, I don't know if it was gray. I think maybe he had a little bit of premature gray, a little bit. And uh, he wore the brown shades some aviator sunglasses and uh, little like beetle boots, you know, those little robotitas. Yeah, short, short boots. And because um, every time he crossed his legs, I could see the pants come up and you could see the little ankle. And uh, he was, he would like, this was gross. He would fart in his car and he would spray cologne right after the fart. Ew. <laughs> so it's just like this. Art cologne smell mixed together. It was so gross, but we laughed because we were kids and he was farting. But silent ones. <laughs> it was nasty though. My mom was grossed out. But um, then the next, um, and but I liked that this guy because he had a family that was a big family, and um, that's that place where we went for I don't know, it was like Thanksgiving or something like that. But there were a lot of people over, and it was. Um, they had like hanging dried peppers in the kitchen and stuff. The kitchen was so great. It, and uh, it just felt warm and cozy in there. It was cool. We were running around. Nobody cared. Me and the other kids there. Oh, but then the next one that my mom dated, he was a single dad, had two daughters. And see, his nickname in the neighborhood was Enchilada. Enchilada. <laughs> Which was funny about this podcast, but... Uh, he was Why a, I don't know. You're Latino? Yeah, he was Latino. I think he was Salvadorian, though. Um, he was pupusa. <laughs> but nobody knew about pupusas. But people called him, like just like Barbara the Indian, he was enchilada. But I don't know if he knew he was enchilada. But my mom dated him, and that guy, he, was, he looked like a preacher. He wore a suit all the time. He was a short guy. He wore a long um, trench coat, you know, winter coat with his suit and he just looked like he was ready to go to church or something. I think he was pretty um, religious and everything. My mom and he dated for a little while, but then he got loaded one night and he came up to the apartment and I heard everything outside and I was awake in the bedroom because they were shouting and it was a bedroom and a living room and a kitchen. And that was our apartment, all five of us. Well, four of us after my dad left. So we were sleeping in the bed in the bedroom. She's talking out the window. She won't open the door for him. And it's late at night. He's loaded. Enchilada. Enchilada is on the other side of the door outside. And he's like, but it's like a hotel. Like there's a big window right there next to the door. So he's like banging on the window, right? You know, just banging constantly. Let me in, Sandy, let me in. She's like, no, you're drunk. I'm not letting you in. He was loaded, and he goes, I'm hungry. She says, I don't have any food here. I'm broke. I don't have any food. There was no food in our house. He's like, I'm hungry. And she said, 
I don't have any food. Go home. And because uh, he lived in the building too, but he was like two buildings away from us. And uh, and he's like, I'm not hungry for food. I want a fur burger. <laughs> and my mom was like, what? And I heard, I'm vegan. I heard, I heard this late at night. I heard all of it, and I was pretending to be asleep, but I heard it. I want a fur. I want burger. a fur burger. And then she just stopped talking to him and um, left the room. She just came to the bedroom, went to sleep. But, um, but yeah, he was, he was gross. And it was, and then they didn't see each other anymore after that. But I guess he was, he was. Uh, he had this inappropriate side to him that he didn't let out until he got loaded. Fur burger. I want a fur burger. I had a fur Big Mac one time. <laughs> what is that? What is that? I don't know. It's bigger and sloppier than a fur burger. I like fur sliders. Hey, so um, when did you get that um, that guy telling you the secrets to getting women? When you said he was thirty and he was telling you about Pablo Neruda. Well, I was um, I was the alley. So when I was is that after ninety? When I was going through my changes, trying to find myself in the nineties. Is this after Philip's mom or before? Um, before I um, I applied to East LA College, and um, I used to go to school every day with some fool named Trini, and this fool was playing the Chronic album every single day. I was in his car. The Chronic album, the first one, with Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, and I never. It's probably my first. I, was, I, was to hear, I got into rap because of this guy. He used to always like smoke a joints in the car. But I was sober. I didn't smoke no weed, but I would just hang out with him because he would give me a ride to school every day to to East LA College. Then I would either catch the bus back or I wait for him. But he gave me a ride every day. No, I didn't, he didn't ask for no gas or nothing. And then after that, I um, I think I, I had Philip already. He was little. He was like a baby. I started. I went to. I, I had a job and I applied at Alley City College. I took um the wrong class. I took theater one hundred one. I thought it was acting classes, so I got to learn the whole history about fucking theater instead of. I was like, man, we're we gonna start acting. I felt like an like an impatient kid at a karate class. Like, are we gonna start hitting people yet, man? Come on, man. <laughs> What's all this stretching shit? What's all this marching, man? I want to kill somebody right now. Boot to the head. Boot to the head. Yeah, so I was impatient. And um, I'm, oh, there was like this festival at the school, at the Alley City College. And I like going to school, man. Alley City College, East LA College. I always liked that, man, because there was always pretty girls and a lot of dudes. My age, younger than me, older. Now if I go to college, goddamn, people might think I'm a professor. Fuck that shit, man. I don't think anybody will think you're a professor. Oh, I don't think I'm a professor, man. At, 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 at East LA College, but not at a university. University, man. They might think I'm the, I'm the fucking college strangler. No, but I met this veterano, Chicano guy to the bone, man. He was there... Um, I don't know what the fuck he was doing, man. But that fool had dark ass hair. That shit was blue. <laughs> and he had a man. His guy was totally dressed like a, like a Chicano man. Like he was a, he was he was dress. he was ask a Mexican before ask a Mexican. Total hey, loser. Boyavera, Boyavera loser. You know, 
you know, man, just talking about stuff that everybody already knows. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, these are tacos. We motherfucker, we know these are tacos. I thought like we don't know what they're tacos. Oh, he was a hipster Chicano. He was a hipster Chicano. Okay. I've never seen one he was before. Like three thousand. He was a total hipster Chicano. Threw in some Spanish threw in, words. Threw in Spanish words that don't need to be in there. Okay. Like, like sabes qué? Yeah, man, we do this for the people. But it's like some normal people say, we do this for the people. But idiots like that, you know, go ask a Mexican. We do it for la gente. You know what I mean? We have a we have a, a job on Fox News on Fox, Fox. Anyway, so <laughs> Fox, Fox. I don't know any Latino activist that will get a job on Fox. I'm not a Latino activist, so I could work anywhere I want. You know, you just stay safe by not being an activist. I'm not no activist, man. I just do my job. I don't tell you what how to think. I don't tell you who the bad people are. I just point at them. Whatever. Well, you have your opinions, but you don't make it your life. You can't even. Oh, anyways, let's get on that. Um, <laughs> so this guy told me that this. If, if he goes, man, he goes, you want to get the ladies? I said, what do you mean? <laughs> goes, I'm gonna give you some free advice. I don't know why, man, but people would give me good advice. He goes, this is what you do, man. Because I was like, I was, I had these books. And he goes, man, you need a Pablo Neruda book. I said, Pablo Neruda, who the fuck is that? And then um, he said, um, he opened up his book, and he goes, read that right there. So they had to read it. Of course, to me, it was nothing, man. I read it. I, I, don't, I don't know how to read a stanza. I read that shit fast. <laughs> like, what language is this? Yeah, so then I then it said, uh, no, man, you, you, you read this to girls, you know, you, you put them in your house. Poetry. It's poetry. He goes, women love it, man, and especially Latino women, man. They dig that shit. They like a man who reads. So then um, I went to go look for that book, and I got it. And then I found out that he was in that. He came out in that movie, The Postman. Fell in love with the actress. <laughs> he just fell in love with her. And uh, man, I love that. The new um Maria Cucinota. Maria Gracia Cucinota. Official. So this guy was like, uh, he was smooth, man. And I, I don't know if it worked or not, but I just had the books. But I, I, you, like, they were just laying there, bam. I would leave books scattered, you know, like, okay, this motherfucker, he didn't just a comedian. He also reads. Yeah. But I do like reading, though. I always like reading. Well, you, you you got me with Pablo Neruda, kind of. Um, but it was soy milk. <laughs> well, soy milk, yeah. I saw soy milk in your refrigerator. Well, did I quote it to you? I read it to you? Um, I think... It's been so long. The book. Yeah, the book. At your house, which means you were scamming three girls with the book. I had the book the and, I had the wo- <laughs> and I had the book on tape. Oh, you had the book on tape. Yeah, on yeah, the book on tape, it was... um. And Andy Garcia. Were, and then you were quoting it back to me. Yeah. I think we were on Facebook or something or texting. Yeah. When we first met. Andy Garcia does a narration of of um tonight writes the saddest lines. Right. Right, for example, the night is shattered and the moonlight is in the distance. Tonight <laughs> I write the saddest lines. The moonlight shadows in the distance. Something like that. Something like that. Then the other one was um Samuel Jackson. He does a Walking around, yeah, it happens that I'm tired of we being a weary man okay. and walking around. Another one, mine was these feet. 
these feet when they walk down the neighborhood. People don't see the the red carpet that laid out before you, the crown on your head, the bosoms, the jewelry on you. He made that one up. <laughs> the jewelry on you, but I see it because to me you are my queen. Ciao! Who did you read that to? Everyone. <laughs> they all got that treatment. And I even, I even, I feel like sometimes I feel like I made it up. Are you gonna love me for my favorite? Are you gonna love me forever? Forever is a long ass time. <laughs> but if the world ends with me looking at you right now, what an ending that would be! <laughs> Pussy's getting wet. <laughs> Give me that fur burger. <laughs> oh, that's gross. Yeah, man. So that guy told me that. I wonder what he's doing right now. Probably still in his ICC. Yeah, that's the thing. I imagine him like the, uh, Will Ferrell in Wedding Crashers. You know, and he's crashing funerals now. He's probably at every Chicano event <laughs> lur- lurking for a young 18-year-old. Selling art. Yes. Selling the same Chavo de Locho painting. <laughs> I fell for it. I did. And you're still here, God no, damn I'm it. I'm still here. Well, see, because I kind of knew it was bullshit. I think I figured out that it was bullshit quicker than the others did. How'd you know? I don't know. But it wasn't bullshit. I did, I did like it. I know you liked it. But it was bullshit that you were using it, that you were, you know. So I, I was like, any, oh, he does this with everybody. Okay, I get any it. Any guys out there, man, go grab yourself a <laughs> Pablo Neruda book of love poetry. Memorize it Or over if you want to meet the cool girls that are lasting, get a Bukowski instead. Get a Charles Bukowski, man. <laughs> the Hollywood one. Or John Fonte. Get John Fonte. Go get John Fonte. Who is the predecessor of Bukowski and, yeah, for L.A. writing. Yes, I love that book. Get John Fonte, that book. Um, Ask the Dusk. Ask the Dusk. And There's Road to L.A. too. Road to L.A. is a good book. Get a John Fonte book. F-A-N-T-E. And he writes books that are based solely on downtown Los Angeles and the whole downtown Los Angeles scene. Back in the Back 30s. in the 1930s, yeah. man. And a, a character named Antonio Bandini. Bandini, who's an Italian. He wasn't an immigrant, right? No. He was His a, family wasn't even an immigrant. He no, just was Italian. He was Italian. And he doesn't even have any like cultural Italian stuff in the book. But um, yeah, it's cool L.A. history through the eyes of somebody who lived there at the time. And not even history. It's just that was what was happening. He was just being observant, you know. And I was shocked about like the rail lines, how much public transportation there was available. So much public transportation before Goodyear came in. Goodyear came in and covered up all the tracks. They paved all the tracks because they wanted to just sell the car. They wanted to sell tires for cars. We're going backwards. Yeah, we're going backward. And now we're going. Oh, wait. We have all this. We should build a train, you know. (laughs) And they talk about taking the train down to Long Beach so fast. One of the scenes in that, actually, there's a movie called Ask the Dust with Sama Hayek. And one of the scenes, um, the, the main actor who plays um, Antonio Bandini. Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. He takes a bus to go meet, takes a train to go meet one of his crazy fans in Long Beach. And then um, the 1932 earthquake starts. And somehow his lady gets crushed in a building. All right. Sad note. <laughs> but, yeah, there's some, some good books to read. If you're into reading, man, Charles Bukowski. And, and L.A., too. If, L.A. is you, kind if, of the character if, as if, well. If, if you want to, like, L.A., if you like more, reading about Los Angeles, where Los Angeles is part of the character of the book, mm-hmm. get a John Fonte or book. Or Bukowski. 
or Charles Bukowski. And not the poetry. I mean, I like Charles Bukowski's poetry, but I'm I'm really into the just the the journals. Read um, get the Charles. Start off with Charles Bukowski, a book called Women. Well, that's my favorite one. Yes, that's but why I said it. That's my favorite. I remembered. <laughs> That's my absolute favorite. But there is Ham on Rye. Also, remember shit your lady likes. <laughs> Ham on Rye was his first. That was his more yeah. autobiographical Ham on Rye is good. childhood stuff. And it's painful, some of that stuff to read about his dad. But um, that that's a great book. But then Post Office is great. Um, Factotum, Factotum is good. Factotum. Factotum is a book. I think the movie's better than the book. So it's a movie with, with Matt Dillon. Yeah. It's called Factotum, he and it's based job. on Charles Bukowski. And, and part I, of his life as a post office. Yes, uh, and another movie is with, you can see Old L.A., man, Old L.A. It's based on Charles Bukowski's book. What's that? With, and with Mickey Rourke plays them. Barfly. Barfly. Barfly's good. And, but you got to watch it with subtitles because you don't, understand, you don't understand what the fuck Mickey Rourke is saying. <laughs> it's like, like Papa and mix it with Vito Corleone. Uh, Another movie you want to see, man, yeah. that didn't even know this movie was shot in Los Angeles till last night. You can see old Third Street Promenade, very vintage footage of Third Street Promenade. Is um, that movie Pretty in Pink? Yeah, I had no idea either because it's John Elgin, Hughes. And it's based in Elgin. Yeah, and it's based in the suburb of Chicago, but all John Hughes stuff was Chicago. So I could have sworn that was Chicago, the store there. And, um, and it's supposed to be. So I, I was shocked. And then once you start, once you said third street promenade, I started looking more like third street promenade. I was like, no way, but it wasn't a John Hughes directed movie. So it was just written by him. So it wasn't shot. It was shot entirely in LA. Chinatown was LA Chinatown, everything. It was my stomping grounds on Third Street Promenade. I was obsessed with that Chinatown in that movie. I love Pretty in Pink. I always wanted to live like one. Of the, that's one of those movies that really like um, changed my life. And um, was um, Barfly and Factotum. Mm-hmm. And uh, reading those books because um, they lived alone, and they, they wrote every day. Like man, these guys. Matt Dillon, um, no, Mickey Rourke is fucking drunk as a motherfucker mm-hmm. every night, and he goes to sleep writing, and, he, and then every once in a while, somebody buys a manuscript, and he paid him a lot of money, just enough money to get more fucked up for the next mm-hmm. six months, Yeah, and that's pretty much been my whole life till I met you, <laughs> for reals. I have lived vicariously through Charles Bukowski. Because I would, instead well, of like getting, you like that idea of sitting in a little room as a writer, you know, being yes. isolated too as an artist. Because I would sit late at night, man, when I was getting fucked up and write jokes, or even even when I wasn't loaded, I would just stay out at night writing, and then wake up in the morning, go having coffee somewhere, man. Good times. <laughs> but now I have a good. I, I like waking up in the morning, having coffee, Maybe and writing, the gym. and then doing the podcast. Doing the podcast. So I'm still doing something. That, oh, I was going to say that in your apartment, in addition to the nude girls on your refrigerator, you also had the back of the refrigerator. And I guess this is from drunk, one drunken night that maybe you don't remember because you don't you don't remember much about painting that, right? No. But it was oil paints. You had actual tubes of oil paint. And they were for artists' oil paints. And they, it was all over the back of this refrigerator was the Van Gogh painting. Yeah. 
of his room. <laughs> What's that called? That. Is it called? Bedroom. Bedroom. Yes. Okay. That painting is painting. all over the back of your refrigerator. I love that painting. Did you paint with a brush on there? Yes. Or your fingers? It was a paintbrush. Yeah, okay. But I it had was several cool. paintbrushes. You did a great job on it, Thank too. You. And I was looking at it like, this guy is cultured. <laughs> 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 He's got soy milk in the fridge, which I was shocked by. That was, that was the one thing um, that got me. And then you... Also, you liked the movie Mozart, and you liked the music. I love Mozart. And and then you, um, it was is it called Amadeus? Sorry, Amadeus, not, not Mozart. It's called Amadeus. You loved that movie, and you loved uh, you loved the story of the whole diva. You love that running theme anyway in movies like Temptations or whatever. This yeah. person who gets too big for their britches, you know, and and throws things away. away, you know, and um, and also Mozart in the, during the movie. He's getting fucked up with right. wine and writing all night. Right. right. Perfect writing, though. Yeah. With, with not even erasing. Yeah. And so, so you, you love those stories. But it, it was, uh, so it was that. Then you had the Pablo Neruda. Then you had the, um, uh, also, the I, painting on the back of the refrigerator. I had I a said, couple of Willamette Burroughs and Jack Kerouac books staying there, too. <laughs> yeah, the Jack Kerouac. But I don't like On the Road. So on the Road I, I don't has like Jack taken Kerouac. me my whole life to finish. <laughs> I can't get through. I tried to. I tried to like the beat poets and get into that. Until you read Allen Ginsberg, and you ever read any fucking Allen Ginsberg? No. He's a pedophile, first of all, and known pedophile. Yeah, him and Willem S. Burroughs will talk about it in his book, um, um, Junkie. Oh, I didn't read that. But um, he, I mean, he's a member of Nambla and everything. You know, he's he's what's Nambla? Nambla, the North American Man Boy Love Association. Shh. So he's he's crazy, and his poetry was shit. It was just ranting, and then about sexuality and like your penis exploding and all this stuff. And it's just like God. It, it was gross writing to me. I didn't get into it, and I didn't understand. It. I guess it's different than anything before it. So it was so shocking. People loved it, you know. And Jack Kerouac is just a lot of rambling, yes. non sequiturs, things that don't make sense together. Stream of consciousness, almost. You know, I couldn't get into him either. That, was, that book was given to me as a gift. And I remember picking up the book and reading it and meeting this comedian named Frank Manzano. And he saw the book and he goes, that's a great book. He goes, that book had a profound effect on him. A profound effect on my life. I, that movie, and that book inspired everything I do in my life. It was just to be on the road and, and, to, and, do, and do what I do. And that's pretty much what that guy has done. <laughs> like he, That's been his he, life. he, he's, he, this guy is a comedian, and I wish I could have him on the What's a Food podcast. But he's a comedian that did comedy in the '80s, did show with Paul Rodriguez. I mean, if I mention his name to those guys, they know him. And he just been a hermit. Like even when I would book him to do my comedy show, he would leave work because he worked at um, General Hospital. I think he's a, chem a chemist or engineer as some producer tv stuff editing i don't know what he does but and um, he always had a job he would leave that job and then catch a bus and then go do the show at wild coyotes then we would drop him off at the end of the show yeah but he was hilarious hilarious and is he, he still working he's still working at a regular I mean, job a comic no he no hasn't done comedy mm. i want to buy all his material <laughs> <laughs> and then make up the character and do it on stage yeah so that that guy, 
he told me that that book, he loved that book. But Jack Kerouac, William S. Burroughs, and Allen Ginsberg, they were part of the Beat era. These guys were like, look, you would, you could just Google their names because I want to explain who they are to you guys. <laughs> it will take forever to under, make you understand. In the sixties, these yeah. guys were like before the, the before the six before the hippies, yeah. before the hippies came. It was these guys who would just dress up in all black and hang out at coffee shops, and they started the whole beat era. The beat poets. Coo, yeah. coo, coo. And they would do this. <laughs> you know why they would do that? Because they would have these poet shows underground in a basement, and they would have these jazz musicians play, and it was a mixture of black people and white people, and they couldn't really hang, and gay people, and they couldn't really hang out together, so they got to keep it real low. They couldn't really clap, so they would clap with their fingers. Is that why they snapped? Yes. I didn't know that. I saw that somewhere huh. in a documentary on YouTube. <laughs> because information. Also, <laughs> women love when you have a lot worthless information. <laughs> Except Joe Diaz. You got a lot of worthless information, cocksucker. Because Joey Diaz's life is all about filtering out the nonsense every day. Because there's a lot of nonsense that comes at him. He can't deal. I don't have time with that. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Fuck the strokes. <laughs> I told him, what, you don't like the strokes? Fuck the strokes. He likes the original strokes, the kinks or the... Yeah, and he, he goes, he goes, fuck the strokes. Just listen to a fucking Tom Petty album. Yeah, yeah. And then Tom Petty is the, the real, real deal. And the strokes copied him. Tom Petty's also like he the was, birds. Yeah. He copied the birds. The birds, yeah. huh? Interesting. Yep. The birds, they copied the pigeons. I don't know. <laughs> well, not about copying, I guess it's influenced, and then you take it from there. So maybe your first Dylan. album or second album will still sound kind of like your influence, but then eventually you you move on. Yeah. You create your own world like the Beatles did, too. I think I'm going to read that book. Which one? Uh, no, um, either Hammond Rye mm-hmm. or... Did you read Women, women yet? No. Women's so good. Who and it, women? You, it you're is, still here, right? I think so. Yeah, it's on my bookshelf, I think. It's such a good book, and you know what? It's about you. It's your life. You gotta get it. You're gonna read it, and you're gonna go, oh, yeah, I remember a woman like that. Or, oh, yeah, I remember a woman like this. And it's a lot. It's it's drinking to <laughs> I don't know if this is in women or not. He eventually decides. He gets with one woman long term. The one in real life, um, and he starts. He switches to wine, so it's kind of like that woman in um, observing report. Observing report, his mom, and she says, "I'm switching to beer." <laughs> That's her big announcement. That he thinks she's going to quit drinking or something. She's switching to beer, but he switches to wine, so he doesn't get blackout drunk. He can still be buzzed all day and write. You know, like he has. He's, he knows that that's his functioning level. Is if he drinks wine. I made that mistake. You, you, that was one of your plans before. I made all all mistakes. (laughs) I'm gonna just do coke by itself (laughs) and no alcohol. I'm gonna just do beer only and no coke. (laughs) The only thing that ever worked was just weed. Yeah, (laughs) just weed. Because man, I have problems with everything, man. Even gambling. But you know that's Joey Diaz too. Everything. I I, like if I get to bikes, I have ten bikes. Yeah. I get to baseball cards, I'm gonna spend three hundred dollars on baseball cards yeah. and then give it up. And then, then I find a random else. baseball cards hidden behind the couch or bent in the bathroom. I know. <laughs> Sad. 
They ain't worth shit, man. Those are bent. None of them? Okay. I have one that's worth some, like $20, and I'm, just get, I'm happy. It's like I get a high out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's it. We don't have much time that's left. That's it? Oh, man. Tape, but, um, How much is time is it? We have an hour and 12, an hour oh, and 15 minutes. Okay. What's up, everybody? Do you like doing the podcast? I love doing the podcast. Yeah. I like it, too. Yeah. I like it, too. Sorry, uh, sorry, I came back and I, I, I apologize for not liking your food this Sunday. You, I was dry, ap- you I haven't was so apologized tired. yet. I'm sorry. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> okay. I'm tired for you. You made, you made bananas to the plantains. I made plantains. I'm just kidding. One of your I'm plantains so sorry. was, was just, not brown on one side. I was just hangry, I guess. You were hangry. And I'm sorry. That's okay. I love you. I love you too. All right. I was tired. You were a bit of a, yeah. I don't know what was wrong. You know what? You come back. I can tell when you're going to be like that. And I could tell from your text. Because you texted me and you said, I'm starving. After I hadn't heard from you all morning. I couldn't text. I was driving. I know, but I didn't know that. So I heard the first one I see is, I'm starving. And I was like, oh, shit. I just got home from a baby shower. And from picking up Isaac at uh, Harry's because he spent the night. So I I had been running around all morning. And then I... uh, I said, um, oh, then I, I got home and I was like, oh, shit, he's hungry. Well, I have groceries and these are the meals I have, right? In my head, I knew what, I, what meals I had to make this week. And then, uh, so I had, uh, I started making you a salad because I asked how far away you were. Ten you minutes. said ten minutes. <laughs> ten minutes away. Okay, I'm starving. Okay, I'm going to make a quick, I made a taco salad for you, right? Tortilla chips and lettuce and salsa and a little, you know, dressing and things. Okay. Yes. And then black beans and all that. Avocado. And then you walk in. Pretty good salad, by the way. You walked in. Just didn't want a salad. I know, but all I got was I'm starving and I'm 10 minutes away. And so that doesn't give me much time. So I made that and you walked in and you passed by the kitchen and you said, oh man, I really hoping for a burger or something like that. I really wanted a oh, burger. For a burger. <laughs> and I was like, burger? Fuck, I don't have burgers in the house. I don't, have, burger. I don't have any burgers in the house. And that's not what you wanted either. I don't have burgers in the house. I already went shopping, you know. So I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I'm like, oh, great. He's in this mood. I already knew. Tell people how important it is to have a menu a week. It's you important to have... It's, yeah, it's important to have a menu. My grandmother taught me that. Because, like, you know, as a single guy living alone, did you make a, first of all, did you make a menu and you were living by yourself? Well, here's the thing. I haven't lived by myself that much. Okay, when you had a roommate. No, never. Yeah. I just hopped along. I'm hungry. What's, me too, what man. I, I hopped along. We hopped along together for a while, huh? Yeah, yeah. And I, well, with us, too, when you first started living with me, and I didn't know when you were going to be there. Oh be home sometimes you know but um yeah you have to make a menu because you save money on you grocery. save money yeah because then you have it planned already there are days when we stray and we go okay i don't feel like cooking tonight because we've had such a busy or day it's too hot. or it's too hot you Ugh. know or something i'm exhausted or whatever so Let's get taco bell <laughs> we'll get taco bell or we'll order some thai food or something like that but see that's how i'm getting fat Thai food has a lot of sugar in it, you know. It has sugar and it's fried, sugar and oil, and it's not the best thing to eat every day. And um, But I could eat it every day. I love Thai food. I love Thai I food. I love Thai food. 
but yeah, it's not great to be eating like that. Best so Thai food in Morro Bay. If you plan out your oh, that was the, the best. Thai boat, Thai bounty, Thai bounty. If you have, if you make a menu of what you want every night, and then maybe an idea for like three or four things for lunch each week. But see, we don't like go. We're home for lunch and breakfast and dinner. Like we, I work at home. I work for you. When you're home with me. We eat all day. You know, we eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner here in the house. Like today we had delicious tamales from Casa de Tamales in Fresno. I did not make those. Yeah, they were Casa de Tamales. Chocolate They're flavor, good. carrot cake flavor. Carrot cake. That's so weird. It was and good, vegetables. though. The farmer's market one was good. It was called farmer's market. It had a lot of vegetables inside. No lard in the masa. And, and uh, anyway, so you got to make a menu because that way you can plan out, first of all, how healthy your week is going to be. But then also what you what sort of things you need in the grocery store. So you're not going in blindly and going, oh, yeah, I want these and these. And then, oh, I'm in the cookie aisle. Oh, I'm in this aisle. You know, I'm in the chips aisle. I'm just going to throw one of these in there. And yes, people, never start your snacks. groceries in the middle of the of the grocery store. Start at the end. The outside. The outside. The outside border. That's where all, all the, the perishable stuff is. stuff is what you want to. The, the middle is all junk. It's all junk. Well, not all of it. Our I boxes. mean, I do get can- I do get um, beans and rice from the middle as well, and pasta sometimes that we need. Um, but I don't. I tend not to go up and down every aisle. You gotta. That's why you make a menu. Just you know where you're gonna go in the grocery store too. But anyway, that's home ec 101. If you're listening, people, this week I'll be in Arlington, Texas, mm-hmm. and next week I'll be in Chattanooga. Arlington Improv, and then Chattanooga Comedy Catch. Yes. And then um, Hoover, Alabama, which is just 15 minutes away from Birmingham, by the way. Okay, and a couple of miles from Dalton, Georgia. Uh Uh-huh. And that's uh, Hoover, Alabama. It's called Comedy Stardome. And um, the week after that is Tampa. I mean, no, Orlando Improv. And then we got a few weeks off, and then San Diego. San Diego, yes. Humphreys by the Bay. Humphreys by the Bay. Bring your boat. July 15th, one night only. And, um, oh, we're thinking about doing a cooking show on YouTube. Yes. Maybe. A, a vegan, quick one. A quick vegan cook cooking show, a real fast one. Just him and I. Some of you guys want a cookbook, but we're going to give you a quick step-by-step to make some delicious, fast, vegan dishes. Fast. About fast. Okay, but we'll, see. Fast. we'll see. <laughs> some of them will be longer. Well, I'll but... be dressed in character. Because a lot of you have asked about recipes and stuff, so maybe there'll be... There'll be a few things that we do, and then Felipe will ask me to make him something, to veganize something. Yes. And we'll make it. Yes. Into the casserole. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Subscribe and give us a review. little review somewhere. Thanks. Bye.